Welcome back, everyone. Dr. B here. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Ask the Dentist. And again, as you, all of you, most of you know, the topic typically stems from a functional approach, functional dentistry. And and a few episodes ago, I, I started kind of a reoccurring theme of defining or coming up with how other people define functional dentistry. And I'm going to continue doing that. But what I did this time is I just Googled functional dentistry just to see, you know, what are the updates? What are, how often, you know, is it mentioned? And and the good news is that this is a growing field uh, as you can, as I've seen in so many different areas of, of who I come into contact with, who I speak with and researchers. And I was on the phone the other day with the CEO and a great researcher at the Forsyth Institute. I'm going to talk more about that in future episodes. But but in any case, let me just read you three paragraphs. It, this just came up when I was Googling functional dentistry, and it's really, I think, very exciting. It, it kind of gives me goosebumps. So here's the first sentence or paragraph. Several organizations have been established and are encouraging countries to make it a law that all newborn babies be assessed for tongue and lip tie restriction. Brazil was the first country to adapt such a law. So why is this so exciting? Well, this is kind of one of the cores of functional dentistry. It's a root cause for so many things that happen down the road in terms of facial development and crowding and orthodontic treatment, uh, breathing issues, even sleep apnea, which leads to a host of other systemic comorbidities. And Brazil has been ahead in research for myofunctional kind of approach. I think I've mentioned that before. Japan is pretty involved in that as well. The US is slightly behind in that. But it's so encouraging to see that Brazil has already adopted this or or adapted such a law. And you've heard me say before, and I've experienced this myself with my grandchildren, but I've heard it and seen it so many times over the decades. I recommend that I would take it one step further. I would have a tongue tie specialist there. Typically, the hospitals don't do a good job of this. I would I would hire a tongue tie specialist if you can. I think this should be covered by insurance because it would save a lot of money down the road and have him or her there present at the time of birth to Give a good diagnosis on whether there's a tongue tie or not. And if so, act on it right away. Breastfeeding is, is, is so much easier and doable if, if it's caught early. So much of the time it's caught maybe a few weeks later, but in those two weeks, the, the mom is deflated and, and upset and stressed out because the baby can't latch on because of this tongue tie. So, so that's exciting. And that is an aspect of functional dentistry. And this is something new. Here's another paragraph. In Japan, dental hygienists have mandatory orofacial myofunctional studies as part of their program. In fact, the myofunctional therapy mes- message is gaining a lot of interest and traction in dentistry. Again, very exciting. As I mentioned before, Japan is ahead of the U.S. in this area. And the myofunctional approach or seeing a myofunctional therapist, if there are issues in the swallow reflex or positioning of the tongue in a child, is key in their further development. And I do want to give the U.S. a plug here. Uh, Again, I like to criticize the ADA. That's the American Dental Association. I just see them as a big battleship with a very small rudder. But they, they, they do show promise. And here, here's the paragraph. The ADA also just passed. This is actually a year ago. I was aware of this. The ADA also just passed a resolution saying that dentists should be should now be screening their patients for sleep disorders. 
Just opening the vertical dimension without moving the jaw forward can actually close the airway and make the OSA, obstructive sleep apnea, SDB, sleep disorder breathing, worse. And you've heard me say this many, many times. This information's pretty old. In other words, dentists shouldn't, you shouldn't seek out a dentist and have him make him or her make you a night guard because that could actually make your sleep apnea worse. A lot of people that have sleep apnea have bruxism. They get treated for bruxism and that appliance actually makes your sleep apnea worse. So anyway, three quick little points on how functional dentistry and aspects of it as it relates to the practice in different countries and and where we're seeing a lot of promise. I am very excited and this just motivates me more to talk about functional dentistry. So enough of that. Today, we've got a question from Hannah It's a really good question. I thought it would be very simple because I have a blog post on this already, and that is already a few years old. But then I, of course, nerded out, started seeing if there were any updates, and and there were a few, but it just expanded kind of what I'm about to say about keeping your retainers clean without exposing yourself to toxins. And there are toxins in retainer cleaners, and a lot of us are wearing oral appliances. I wear an oral appliance. I have Invisalign retainers. I don't wear a mouth guard, but a lot of people do wear mouth guards. There are a lot of sport guards out there that kids are wearing, you know, because after school, they're involved in very physical sports and they need to protect their teeth, which is great. So a lot of us are soaking and trying to keep our retainers clean, but we're soaking it in these over-the-counter solutions, tablets that dissolve in water that are toxic. Yep, I'm sorry to report that. Even the FDA agrees. I'll mention that. But anyway, let's get to Hannah's question. It's a great question. It's something we all definitely need to know about. I'm wondering what is the best way to keep your retainer clean? What is your daily ritual with that? And maybe a more extensive cleaning weekly or whatever you might recommend. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for asking that question. Great question. We've got lots to talk about. So most of us uh, use denture cleansers. Most dentists recommend denture cleansers for cleaning retainers. When you go to the orthodontist, they will give you a few tablets of a denture cleanser, but it's really for your retainers. It's kind of dentures and retainers, at least the older style retainers, were all made out of the same material, acrylic. And so these cleaners have been around for a long time and they are geared around acrylic. But, you know, even with Invisalign, which is not acrylic and other materials now that we use for retainers, we still have stuck with these cleaning products. They're essentially oxidizers. And one of the main ingredients is persulfite. Let me tell you a little story. I'll start off with that. Many years ago, it was actually 2004. I came to to the conclusion that a lot of my patients that were using Efferdent and Polydent, we actually sold one of those in the dental practice. I can't remember which one it was, but but it was a little blue tablet. You would, you know, tear it open, drop it into some water and put in your dentures, your retainers, your oral appliances, your Invisalign aligners, anything that was in your mouth overnight or during the day, even your sports guards, you would want to clean it by using this denture cleanser. And what I started noticing is that a lot of patients were, their gums were getting irritated. They were complaining about itchiness, burning, and and that concerned me. So what I did, 
then and what I still do, there's a website that the FDA runs where and it's I think you have to type in a provider number and it's a database of consumers and physicians, dentists, healthcare professionals that complain about a pharmaceutical or, or something that is ingested by the body, something that has produced a result. And there, there are no judgments made. It's just a database of this person took this and this is how they reacted. And it's a database of complaints. In other words, a customer, not a customer, a patient taking a certain medication or a cream or a sunblock, it doesn't matter, anything under the jurisdiction of the FDA, it could even be a device, if there was a complaint, it would be listed in the database. And that was available to healthcare providers. And that collaboration and that storage of data so and making it available to providers hopefully would lead to better outcomes in the long run and and more data. And and I think it does work. So I would stay up late at night and go through this database on, on things that I was exposed to personally, my family, and certainly my patients. And one night I was shocked to see that persulfate, which is the main ingredient in all these denture and retainer cleaning products, was causing all sorts of trouble. Oh my goodness. I was like, you know, <laughs> hold the presses. This is this is news. And it really bowled me over. And again, this knowledge was not accessible otherwise, and it was not available or, or being offered as a warning label on any products or given to us, the providers, as something to look out for by the industry, by the people, the companies that make these products. And, and that's a real problem. But thank goodness for this database. So, so let's talk about what the FDA did about it or tried to do about it. What is persulfate and what are the, what it does? I'm going to go into that because I find it fascinating. And it's still in use, of course, uh, readily available. And then a little twist on what can happen if there's confusion between another product, which happens often, has been documented, and can lead to death as an extreme. So we'll talk about that. And then I'm going to give you, as you said, Hannah, what is my daily routine? I've honed this to perfection, I think. It works for all my appliances. I'll go through the whole list. And I'll let you know how everyone thinks this works. Again, this is one of our early blog posts and was one of our most popular blog posts. And this is kind of Dr. B's retainer sauce or, or recipe for safety and, and for efficacy. So we'll, we'll, we'll end with that. So let's first talk about FDA stuff. So obviously, if, if the FDA has this database, they're reading the same stuff that I was reading and other practitioners. And so they did try and do something in, they did react in 2008. They wanted you and providers to watch for allergic reactions, which is what I was seeing. Again, I would not use the word allergic. Allergic implies a histaminic response. And th these were toxic reactions to this chemical. Again, it's a strong oxidizer, persulfate. And it, by the way, it works great at cleaning your dentures, but it etches the acrylic. It has the health ramifications. It's an expensive product compared to the alternatives that I'm going to give you. It, it can be mistaken for other products that can literally cause confusion to the point where you could end up in the hospital or even worse, die. So again, that's a labeling and a manufacturer's issue. But anyway, so the FDA recommended that we be careful. The FDA said that it received 73, 73 reports. I saw a lot more. I would say at least 300 of these quote-unquote allergic reactions. This is a sensitivity to something that shouldn't be there 
or worse, toxic response. And they say it did include at least one death linked to denture cleansers. That's pretty impressive of a statement from the FDA. Although, was that one death due to something else? I mean, that's what uh, the corporations were that make these products were insinuating. I mean, it could be, it could have been many, many things. But but there are plenty of cases out there, at least in my practice, where I saw this at least 10 to 20% of the time with persulfate or the with the use of persulfate in denture cleansers. So anyway, an oxidizer, of course, is a bleaching process. It does remove the biofilm. The remnants of your biofilm are on that acrylic denture. Acrylic is a porous material, even though we polish it. Even stainless steel, some of the wires, even an Invisalign retainer has some porosities, although much less than acrylic. That's a, I think that's a polyvinyl material. And so the, the persulfate, again, you're soaking this daily during the day, at least, or at least for 15, 20 minutes at a time. And that stuff does get picked up by the retainer. Let's say you have an acrylic upper holly. That's a old fashioned type retainer that's still in use. It's a kind of a pink colored acrylic material with wires that are encased in the resin, the acrylic resin, and they keep your teeth in position. And that acrylic over time, especially if you're brushing the acrylic with toothpaste and a toothbrush, that rough roughs up the acrylic and makes it very porous. And so this persulfite is actually being held up on your palate when you're wearing this retainer because it's been soaking and absorbing this persulfate. The FDA asked the makers of denture cleansers to change their product labels. I would have recommended not only labels, but packaging. You'll understand why in a minute. To make it clear that the products are designed to clean dentures in a container and not in the mouth. That's a little misleading because, as you heard me say, a lot of this stuff gets picked up and held up against the tissue, which the oral mucosa is very sensitive and will react to many things, including products in toothpaste and and mouthwash, even some holistic toothpastes that have too much essential oils in it. I've I've gotten all sorts of responses from like cinnamon oil and and other other natural quote unquote natural ingredients. If the if the concentration is too high, it'll literally burn the inside of your mouth. So and they also said consider using alternatives to prosulfates, but they didn't say what those alternatives should be. So possible signs of allergic reactions may include irritation, tissue damage, rash, hives, gum tenderness even bleeding or ulceration, breathing problems. That's a little bit more. That's more of a systemic response and low blood pressure. Again, this is all from the FDA. Allergic to persulfate. Again, I don't like the word allergic. You're responding to it, but it's not an allergy. Some of the reported allergic reactions happened when patients misused denture cleansers by gargling with or swallowing other products, you know, like Alka-Seltzer. So Alka-Seltzer and Efferdin, the packaging is is identical. Blue little square package that you rip open, the size of the tablet, the look of it. You put it into a glass, it bubbles. And if you're an elderly person, it doesn't matter if you're an elderly person. It could be anyone. Late at night or early in the morning, they get up before it gets light and they have some Alka-Seltzer. They grab the wrong packaging. And what they end up doing is they drink 
a denture cleanser thinking that it's Alka-Seltzer. And that's probably where a lot of these people were hospitalized. A lot were hospitalized. And there, of course, there was this, there was one death. That's a problem. That was a recommendation that the FDA made. And of course, nobody listened. So be very, very careful. Okay, let's talk about just denture and retainer cleansers in general. And then uh, I'm going to talk more about what to look for if you think you were exposed to persulfate, just so you can rule out other things. You may be using a denture tablet or a retainer cleanser and you're getting a lot of symptoms. I want you to be able to make that association because that rules out a lot of other things. So let's talk about that. First, look for things, uh, well, the reactions to persulfates, look for, that are indenture and retainer cleansers, look for tissue damage, ulcerations, burns, again, I said rashes, hives or, uh, hives or irritation, gum tenderness, breathing problems and low blood pressure. Okay, that may be more difficult to, to notice and, and perhaps would be impossible for you to associate with the solution that you're using to clean your dentures. So, but if this is accidentally ingested, these denture cleansers can wreak a lot of havoc in the body. So, so be very, very careful. You will end up in the emergency room. Very likely that you will, depending on how much you drink. Maybe you'll notice the taste and, <laughs> and know that it's not Alka-Seltzer. But so accidental consumption of these cleansers can include abdominal pain, burns, bleaching of tissue, blood in the urine, internal bleeding, vomiting, breathing problems, low blood pressure, seizures, and death. Seizures was the number one response to accidental ingestion of even just a little bit of a denture cleanser. Now, the question is, is if your denture or your retainer has absorbed the persulfate, and you don't rinse it out properly, or even if you do, how much of that is retained on the porous surface of the acrylic and how much of that being held up against the tissue is absorbed by the oral mucosa. And by the way, the oral mucosa, like skin, absorbs a lot of chemicals. So that will get into you systemically, into your blood supply, into your tissues. So that's the question. But again, you know, it's a benefit versus not cost, well, cost to ending up in the hospital. That's what it always comes down to for me. So there are plenty of less expensive, pleasant tasting, denture cleansers that will do the job. And so that's what I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what my routine is. And, you know, I think there's no going back. You're going to be, you're going to like this, this method of cleaning your, your dentures, not my dentures. I don't have dentures, not yet at least. And certainly your retainers, your oral appliances. I do have an oral appliance for sleep and your Invisalign retainers, which I also do have. I use those for mountain biking and skiing to protect one of my arches. I, I go back and forth between wearing the upper and the lower if I'm participating in a sport that if I fall could potentially damage my teeth. So, okay, let's get into my routine and wh what's the solution here, literally? <laughs> what's the solution for avoiding all these toxins and crazy products that are being really just a bill of goods that is being sold to you that you really don't need to spend the money on and it will not, you know, poison you and, and hopefully prevent you from ending up in the hospital. Pretty crazy, right? Who would have thought? So let's first talk about why do I need to clean my retainer? Let's start off with that 
idea first. First of all, it's a good idea to clean your retainer. I'm going to stop saying denture because your oral microbiome, those are all the bugs in your mouth and this biofilm that is continually growing in your mouth. You can call it the plaque layer, but that any inanimate object, and that would be a tooth in the mouth, but certainly the retainer or any oral appliance or even a filling, uh, the body will create this biofilm, which is a series, a kind of a latticework of bacteria and bugs. And then they create this little kind of, for the lack of a technical term, a gelatinous kind of a skin or pellicle. I like that term, a skin that keeps all these bugs networked together and it protects that inanimate object in your mouth. And biofilms form just about everywhere. You can get biofilms inside of dental chairs. You can get them on pick lines and catheters. And anytime there's an inanimate object in the body or if in an area that can get infected or grow bacterial cultures, biofilms typically are in in the area and, and doing their thing. So, And there are bad biofilms and there are good biofilms. There's good plaque and there's bad plaque. So, But anyway, this biofilm will form on your retainer over time. And if you're using a regular retainer cleanser, the persulfate is a strong oxidizer and it's literally bleaching and oxidizing that acrylic that some labs spend a lot of time polishing so that biofilm wouldn't stick as much or anything else would stick to that surface. And within weeks, I would say six to eight weeks, that layer, that shiny layer has little micro porosities on it because it's been oxidized. And then you're just going to build up way more bacteria and more biofilm on that retainer. Most of us clean our retainers because they start smelling after a while. And that's because that your biofilm has dried out on that retainer. So here is what I do. Okay. First of all, I don't use Effredent, Polydent, any of those products. I'm going to include my website, my blog post on Ask the Dentist. I'm going to include the URL because that kind of goes into a lot of detail. And again, this was written, I think, about 10 years ago. So, and it's not out of date, but read that first. I'm going to include that URL, but this is what I currently do. And this is this, these are my thoughts on how to clean your denture. So first of all, stay away from those products. They cost a lot of money. If you have a guest or if you have living with your grandparents, they could inadvertently open the wrong tablet and end up in the emergency room. And of course, it could cause a toxic reaction in your mouth. So stay away. So what I do on a weekly or monthly basis, it depends on the appliance, and I have several, I will use white vinegar for about 15 to 30 minutes. Do not mix it with anything else, just straight white vinegar. And that is a very strong but natural cleaner. And then I soak it in water. And again, I always use distilled water if possible. Don't use any hard water from your tap because all those little, the, the, the scale that you see in the bottom of your sink and, and on the shower head and all that, that will eventually form on your retainer and it will damage it. It won't look very nice and it will mean that other, all your biofilm is more likely to stick to your retainer because the scale is very porous and has a very uneven surface. And it's also very difficult to clean. When your hygienist or dentist tries to clean it, they're going to damage the smooth surface of the acrylic or, or even the, the surface of the polyvinyl Invisalign retainer. So, so you got to start off clean. You don't want to etch or ruin the, the surface, that clean, smooth surface of your retainers. Also, you don't want to brush 
with even just a dry toothbrush, that's abrasive enough to damage the acrylic. And if you add toothpaste, certainly a toothpaste that has a high RDA value, a abrasivity index, that's a measure of how abrasive it is, you literally will see, you know, if you wear loops or look at it under a microscope, within three or four episodes of brushing your denture, you'll start seeing gouge marks. And again, that's another area where the biofilm can stick to your device. And so stay away from that. What I do recommend for the daily, so what my appliances sit in on a daily basis throughout the day, because I wear my oral appliance at night, my Invisalign retainer sometimes will sit in water for a few days. And that's just either distilled water, distilled water with baking soda, because that increases the alkalinity. By increasing the alkalinity, you're going to kill off a lot of bacteria because they like a neutral or a slightly acidic pH. And the bad bacteria like the acidic pH. So that's a natural way without harming the retainer of killing off a lot of those bacteria. So baking soda is great. It, it, it neutralizes acidic tap water. A lot of tap water is slightly acidic. Any acidic solutions can also etch that acrylic, just like the persulfate does. And that will make it rough. And that makes it very difficult to clean at that point. You'd have to either give the retainer back to your, your dentist, they could send it to the lab and have it repolished, or typically a new one has to be remade. And that's expensive. You want these retainers to last for a long time, look clean and smell great. What else do I do? So I also use just a few drops of Castile soap. And Castile soap is not really a soap. A soap is a, an emulsifier. It's a surfactant. It's a substance that saponifies something and it breaks down oils. Castile soap is just a bunch of oils, typically olive oil. I use Dr. Bronner's. And what I like about that is that it does break down biofilm very gently without damaging the retainer. So everything I'm using to clean my retainers is there two things that are important to me. It doesn't damage the retainer. It doesn't make it more porous and more susceptible to picking up things and things that will make it smell and look look terrible and ragged. And, and I want it to look shiny for as long as possible. And shiny is good in the mouth. That way the biofilm doesn't grab onto that surface too much. And then the second thing I want is I want to be able to break down that biofilm, make it smell good. And that means breaking apart bacteria that stick to your retainer. And and the soap, the Castile soap, is a nice, natural way of doing that. And a lot of these soaps, like Dr. Bronner's, have a peppermint or a lavender kind of flavor to it. You can get the hemp. You can get the unflavored. I typically use unflavored or hemp. I don't like the minty ones, especially before going to bed at night, because I think spearmint and and other mints actually act as a neural stimulant. And that's the last thing I want. I don't want bright lights when I'm brushing my teeth. I don't want anything that will stimulate my brain and keep me up. So I use the unscented, unflavored uh, Castile soaps. And hemp doesn't really have a very strong taste. So they actually, just as an aside, Dr. Bronner's has a sugar soap. Sugar is used, it was used in many of the soaps way back when. And uh, that's kind of a nice soap to be using in the shower. It's got a nice kind of flavor and smell to it. So, but anyway, you can use that as well if you want. There's there's not enough sugar in there to create a problem. But, but again, use the hemp Castile soap. I think that's the best bet. So white vinegar, pure, not diluted, once a week or once a month. Use distilled water, no hardness in the water. A few drops of Castile soap, baking soda, to make sure that you're above pH 7. A lot of tap water, as I said, uh, the tap water that I uh, had down in the Silicon Valley was literally about 3.8 to 4.2. It was shocking. 
Anyway, that's something you don't want to do. Use distilled water if possible, and your retainer should smell and look great, and it should last. And the big benefit, of course, is that you're not exposing yourself to one more toxin that you have to worry about. So this is something you have control over. Make sure you're not exposing you and, and, and your family to denture cleanser or, or retainer cleanser, these tablets. Who, again, who would have thought that this would have been an issue? And again, the FDA really should come out with a, well, they should mandate labeling and uh, packaging changes. Uh, this happened with eye drops. Eye drops and superglue were being literally made or being packaged in the same container. And a lot of women have used eye drops thinking that it was an eye drop, but it was actually super glue. And they had to go to the ophthalmologist and have all those little crinkly bits of thin super glue picked out of their eyes. It's not as bad as it sounds. I mean, obviously it is. It's very inconvenient. It literally takes hours for someone to do that under a microscope so or under loops. But anyway, same thing, packaging issue. And, and the FDA did do something about that. And the industry actually made those changes. So we, we need to see that with the denture cleansers, the retainer cleansers, that this is important. So, and again, I think I mentioned this, but you really want a natural biofilm disruptor. That's, if I were to come out with a denture and retainer product, which which I may, I, I'm would consider that. It would literally be based on the on the notion that it has to be safe for the denture and for the retainer, and it has to be a biofilm disruptor. That's what what it needs to be. And olive oil, for example, which is one of the ingredients in Castile soap, is a natural biofilm disruptor. So is coconut oil. That's where that's why oil pulling works. It's a biofilm disruptor. It takes down biofilms. Uh, it's an oleic acid. So, and the other thing you could do, one more thing, you could add oregano oil. That is very mild antibacterial, but it also is great at disrupting biofilm naturally. So anyway, I think that's all listed in my blog post. If not, let me know. I can write all that down instead of listening to this over and over and getting all that. But but I hope you get the idea that this is something you can do at home. This is kind of a DIY approach. Again, it's like cooking whole foods at home. When you cook something from raw food products, it's always better and safer for you rather than buying something in a package. And in this case, I think you clearly see that buying a denture cleanser, retainer cleanser, cleaner is something you really don't need to do because you've got all the ingredients. You can have all the ingredients at home. It's safe. It's fun. It tastes great and it works and it, it keeps, it prevents you from being exposed to toxins, which again, we're being bombarded with in our, in our world, in our environment right now. And this is something that you can easily for you and your family, you can prevent from happening. So anyway, that is a great question. Seemed very simple in the beginning, didn't it? But there's a lot to it. And and again, I love questions like that. They seem very simple or very innocent. But if you dig deep, like I did many years ago on that FDA website, which I still do for other things that I come into contact with, the layers of the onion get peeled back and all of a sudden you're you're in panic mode going, oh my goodness, I need, I need to stop using that product and need to stop believing what they say about that product and find an alternative. So I hope this episode was a was a helpful kind of, well, I hope it illustrates a, a great way to circumvent a lot of these products. Uh, I have DIY toothpaste recipes on our website, 
We've got lots of other uh, products that we've kind of bypassed that if you have time, you can do this at home. This one doesn't take much time at all. You just store this stuff in your cupboard, a squirt of this, add some water, a little shake of a little, I, I keep a little Parmesan cheese shaker of baking soda in my bathroom for a variety of reasons. It's a great cleanser, but it's great for increasing the alkal- increasing the alkalinity of that water and killing bacteria naturally of the biofilm on your denture, on your oral appliance, or your retainer. So again, hope that was helpful. Again, Hannah, thank you so much for asking that question. Great one. All right. That brings us to the end of another episode of Ask the Dentist. Hannah, thank you so much for that question. It was very enlightening. I hope that information, well, a lot of us are wearing retainers. So this is information that most of us can use and, and, and benefit from. But do me a favor. If you have grandparents, most of us do, next time you're over at their home, explain to them what you learned and let's, and bring them, you know, go up to their bathroom with them. Open up all the packages, see, make sure that there's no confusion, maybe even better, take away the denture or retainer tablets, the cleansers. And the reason I'm saying that is because in conventional dentistry, what we're taught in dental school is that if there's a rash on the palate underneath a Holly retainer, which is what a teenager would wear, or a denture, which a more elderly person would wear, that we, we are taught that that is a fungal infection. It's a yeast infection because the, re- the thinking is that the, the wearer of either one of those appliances is not cleaning it properly or leaving it in too long. And because of that environment is very closed and very anaerobic and protected from saliva. A lot of elderly wear their dentures for long, many, many days in a row that yeast cells can form. And this really irritates the, the mucosa. Well, another way to think of this is that it could be that the irritation that we're looking at is caused by the denture cleanser itself. They persulfate. So, so what I would do is clean the denture in this case, in this scenario, clean the denture safely. And naturally, you know, the, the Dr. B method, as, as I just described to you, and stay away from the prosulfate so that if a rash does occur, then typically it probably is the candidiasis. And it's not, it can't be confused with the overzealous use of prosulfate. So anyway, just, just a thought. What a great, cool little bonding experience with your grandparents, something to talk about, and you could be doing them a big favor. If you have any other questions like what Hannah had, go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist where you get to ask a dentist. Also, we've written a lot about this and other things as well for the last decade. We've got lots of information on our website, askthedentist.com. Go ahead and peruse that. And if you want to see a functionally minded dentist, someone that can piece all this this all this detail out and and notice that, you know, it may not be a a candidial infection uh, or it could be the burning or the the sensitivity reaction to the chemicals in a retainer and denture cleanser, you, you really got to see someone that's looking way upstream, looking for root causes and 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 taking joy in it. And that would be seeking out a functionally minded dentist. Uh, I'm not saying that other dentists wouldn't do this, but if you like what you're hearing, I I would try to seek out and be treated by a functional dentist. And we do have a growing list of functionally minded dentists. That directory is at askthedentist.com slash directory. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I appreciate you listening and I hope that you're learning a lot. And this, you know, classic example, simple little question, but 
just by doing something slightly different, which is very easy to do, you can benefit from it greatly and stay out of trouble. So having said that, be safe and can't wait to see you guys again and answer another question in the next episode. That'll be next week. Stay safe. See you soon. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.